Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a terrific actor and I, I, I'll tell you, I just anything that he's in, I could watch and he could send up uh, chills down your spine uh, just, by, just by looking at you. He is absolutely terrific. His latest is Neon Lights. Everyone's got to check this out and it is, it's on demand and uh, we'll, we'll find out the whole rundown of, of that. But Kim Coates, you know him from, of, of course, Sense of Anarchy and so many other things. Uh, Bad Blood, uh, just, uh, Prison Blake, Break, uh, Cold Case, uh, CSI, just wonderful, absolute wonderful work, and what a body of work he's put together. Neon Lights, everyone, is the latest. Kim Coates, how are you? Hey, Frank, thanks for having me, brother. How, how's the city? How's New York? How's, how's one of my favorite cities in the world? I miss New York. How are you there, brother? It's, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, from, from Long Island, from Montauk to, to, to Westchester, I think is, uh, is doing great, and the city's back. Uh, yeah, when was the last time you were here? Well, it's funny because last year, Frank, I mean, we're talking about neon lights this morning, which is uh, quite, quite, I'm so proud of this little picture. We'll talk about that in a minute. But last year, Frank, I spent almost six months in upstate New York and Washington, D.C., filming uh, this massive miniseries for HBO called White House Plumbers about Nixon in 1972. Woody Harrelson, Justin Thoreau, Lena Headey, myself, great cast. David Mandel uh, directed the whole thing. It's coming out this fall, I do believe, or late fall. It's, it's an incredible epic thing. And for me to be in Woodstock and Beacon and Poughkeepsie and that entire area for four or five months, man, it, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. It was just so beautiful. And what a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, it listen, it's uh, it's exciting when you look back at your career. I think uh, probably the uh, uh, the last Boy Scout was the first time I saw you, or I remember seeing you. Uh, in uh, that was the first time I, I think uh, I ever caught you anywhere. But ever since then, I've been watching you. Uh, Neon Lights uh, is exciting to me. I heard the premise, and I uh, and I'm certainly looking forward. I'm going to be checking it out uh, asap. But give us a little rundown of this, if you don't mind. I sure will, Frank. Yeah, I mean, Last Boy Scout, I was a kid when I did that, early 90s. I was right from Broadway. I was doing Streetcar Named Desire in 1989, A Circle in the Square, and I and, and Hollywood discovered me right away, and the rest is history. But I, I got to tell you, Neon Lights, I don't know, Frank. I mean, I've done big movies, small movies, medium movies, but I, I can honestly say I've never done a movie quite like this. This film was written by Dana Abraham, who stars in it as well. And, you know, it was during COVID, the beginning stages, that summer of 2020, and he wrote this thing. He wanted it to be somewhat COVID-friendly, not a big cast, all one location, 
Um, you know, we had to be tested every day. We were doing it the right way in film and television, always wearing a mask, the whole deal. And I'm telling you, this movie is such a psychological thriller. It's so dark and beautiful and slash horror at times as well, as well as mental health, Frank, that I've never been in a movie like this. And my character, Denver Kane, I really can't talk too much about because people are going to watch this film not knowing what the hell's going on because it's, it's wrapped into a psychological thriller, almost like Hitchcock. It really is. And people, the reviews have just been through the roof. People don't even know what the hell they're watching. It's so intense. It's such a, when the movie's over, people are talking about it. What the hell did I just watch? Oh, my God, what did it mean? Because, as you know, Frank, mental health should always be in our front burners these days, as if it shouldn't have been for decades and decades before it. But mental health is a very big thing uh, with anxiety and depression and whatever else goes along with it, especially these days with trying to get rid of COVID and, and et cetera in our lives and in, 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 in trying to live, live our lives right. So uh, for Dana Abraham to touch on mental health the way he's done in this movie and intertwine it with such a psychological thriller, I've never been involved in a movie like this before. Uh, we're hearing about neon lights, but uh, hopefully not not anything that would spoil it for us. Kim Coates, the wonderful Kim Coates, is our very special guest. Uh, when you see a description or, or you know i guess a treatment whatever whatever comes to you first the the you know whether it's a script or a uh, an offer do you evaluate them differently now at this point in your career than you did you know 20 years ago let's say i i think i probably do a little bit frank i haven't really thought too much about that exact question uh but i've got to tell you for me and i think i've stayed true to my stomach my gut I go with my gut, and I'm so lucky to be in the position of a career that I've had and still are having because I get to say no, Frank. I say no all the time. The scripts have to be exactly what I want to do. Uh, the role has to be exactly what I want to do, and if it's not, I discuss it with the director, the producers, to make it even better than what's, than what's on the page. And so for me, um, I, the, the thing I'm, I think I'm proud of is, like I just said, I'll, I'll do – Independence, I'll do big, I'll do small, I'll do medium. It doesn't matter to me now in my career. I've done so much. I, it's all about the writing. It's all about the writing. It's all about the script in front of me. And when I got Neon Lights, Frank, the funny thing is I had to read it two or three times to try and understand what was on, on the page. It was so beautifully convoluted and, and intense and dreamlike that um, it, was, it was a beautiful read, but I had to do it, I had to read it two or three times before I said I would talk to the director and the producers and discuss about being in it. With Neon Lights, uh, did you hear about any other cast members prior to uh, accepting the role, or, or did you kind of go and adjust with the script and uh, description and so forth? Yeah, no, they, when they sent me the, the script, I knew that they were also interested in my daughter, Brenna Coates. Brenna's in this movie. She's amazing in this film. I knew they were in, interested in Brenna as well. But Dana a Abraham, who wrote it, and he, he, it's, his, it's his movie. We support him like, like, like planets going around the sun. Like Dana is the sun in this movie. He, it's his film. And what he brought to this thing, I didn't know Dana's work. I had to look him up, and I did. And I was so proud of his earlier work. And for him to write this thing and want to produce this thing and star in this thing, it was an offer I couldn't say no to. And I'm just, I'm just so thrilled that it worked out as good as it did in the end.
Uh, with neon lights, uh, you you mentioned uh, reading it two or three times. How much different is the is the film is the end result than what you anticipated from those first three reads? Oh my God! What a great question, Frank. That's a great question. I I'm always just so surprised and pleasantly so when the film actually works out. And what I mean by that, Frank, is when it all works out, from the edit to the music to the length to the acting to the shots that they, that they perhaps didn't get but still works. We shot this whole thing in 15 days, 15 days, and people are going nuts for it. Um, so, no, I'm just always, I, I'm, I'm too old. I'm too much of an old gunslinger myself, I'm an old cowboy. I've been doing this a long time. And for me to see to see a, an incredible movie like this work in every aspect, and I've talked about this ad nauseum on Twitter, um, I just can't wait for people to see it. I'm just, I really can't. Kim Coates, everyone, is the voice that you're hearing, and you know his work from so many different things, and, and you know so, so many people point to Sons of Anarchy. Uh, great there, obviously, uh, but uh, but so much more than that. Uh, Neon Lights is upon us, uh, encouraging everyone to check it out. I'm checking it out uh, this weekend. And we got a whole plan to check it out. And uh, my wife and I are just we're looking forward to it. So we're uh, we're very very excited about that. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dana a couple times. What can you tell us about Dana? What uh, d- describe uh, Dana to work with? Yeah, Dana's like in his early thirties. He's a Canadian, proud. He's going to be all over the world eventually. Um, he's a really smart, smart guy. He had the smarts to cast Brenna, my daughter, and myself. So full kudos there. Uh, Ruz Bayadari, who directed this thing, a beautiful Canadian-Iranian who's so beyond talented, he directed it. I think Dana, with his Red Hill Entertainment now, has really got something going on in that he's not afraid to write, not afraid to get, grab the greatest directors. He'll probably direct himself. He's not afraid to, to write stories that are 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 groundbreaking that are thought processing that are let's talk about it afterwards what did we learn from this movie like oh my god and producers are jumping on board to work with him e1 who's distributing this movie that's why i'm talking to you frank i've got three hours of radio this morning i've done so much press already the reviews are incredible i'm just so proud of this little movie and so dana good for him good for him for taking the bull by the horn and raising money and shooting independent films like this because his career is, is about to explode. Does does he remind you of anyone that you've worked with before? You've worked with so many uh, different folks in the different uh, capacities uh, behind the camera. Uh, does Dana remind you of anyone? He's just a really beautiful kid. Um, you know, he's 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 from he's got some Punjab in in him. He's he's Canadian. He's beautiful. He's smart. Um, he's tall. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we can just keep keep giving the, the kid compliments all day long. But the most most important thing is he's super kind and super smart. And if you're if you're kind and you're smart in today's business, you can go a long way with a little bit of talent. And he's got tons of talent. So I'm just excited to see how his, how his career is going to evolve in front of him. Yeah, it's got to be exciting to work with 
uh, with Brenna. I know a lot of athletes that, yeah. that get the honor of working with their kids coming up, and uh, it's right. you know, it's, it's got to be a similar experience. But you know, here you are as peers watching somebody that you saw as a baby and everything else. Uh, describe that if uh, if if you don't mind. Uh, it, to me, I don't mind at all, Frank. I don't mind at all. What you, I'm so glad you brought that. Yeah, Brenna, right? Like I, I stumbled into acting. I, I took an acting class in, in university just to, you know, meet some girls, and I'll pass that class. I, I, I wanted to be a history teacher, and I, I didn't even know what theater was. I was 18, 19. Anyway, I took an acting class. The rest is history. And I, took, I did 25 plays over four years, Toronto, New York, L.A., Broadway. I was the youngest Macbeth ever at Stratford, blah, blah, blah. Brenna, my daughter, is always born to be an actor. We didn't push anything on, on my two daughters, my wife and I, Diana. We let them be whoever they wanted to be and supported them. And Brenna has been an actor her whole life, doing it the right way, theater, theater, theater. When she auditioned to get into Tisch at NYU and got in right away, four years, got her degree, she, she did this play. Uh, one of her last things that she did at, at NYU was The Wolves. And I don't know if you saw this thing, uh, Frank, but it, it was the New York Times four years ago called it one of the greatest plays in the last 25 years. They did it uh, from Poughkeepsie to the Duke Theater, then they moved it to Broadway, Lincoln Center. Brenna won an, an, an Obie and a Drama Desk Award for her performance. Um, she's killing it. She's, she's, she's everywhere. And she's young and she's smart and she's talented. And for her and me to do a film together, even though we only have one kind of little small scene together it's it was just so fun to watch her on the monitor and i'm just this old guy in the corner who everyone i guess looks up to a little bit but i uh to, to be on set with brenna was special and i hope we get to do it again and and she's she's on her own um her own path now it's really really exciting to watch we're talking to Kim Coates. Check out Neon Lights uh, with Brenna Coates. Uh, she's wonderful, terrific, and and honestly, um, so many uh, talented people in this. You got to check it out. Frank McKay. Much more importantly, Kim Coates is our very special guest. Uh, Kim, you mentioned Streetcar. Who did you play in Streetcar? I played Stella, Frank. Who do you think I played? <laughs> I played I, I played Stanley for Christ's You're sake. Kidding? Yeah. Oh, no, I. I took over for Aiden Quinn. Aiden, Aiden Quinn left uh, about a month in, <laughs> and Nico Sakalopoulos, the late Nico Sakalopoulos, was directing it, and they they got me in there, and yeah, I think I ran that thing for four or five months, three or four months anyway, and uh, yeah, I streamed Stella quite a few times, circling the square, packed it in. 1989, man. Those were the days. Wow, that was fun back then. I didn't want to assume. I I, I, I don't know who else <laughs> you would play. You, you, you didn't have the nose to play uh, uh, Carl Malden's part, right, <laughs> from the movie. Carl Malden. Come on, what an actor he was. Hey, Frank, incredible. I mean, you joke with me. God, incredible. Is it is it tempting? And you got to pardon the ignorance on this because I'm not an actor, but I, I've heard... That's right. I've heard people talk about you on stage and uh, and rave about you on stage and I, I've never gotten the opportunity to see you but they said if you ever get a chance to see Kim Coates perform uh, on any theater check him out but is it tempting to uh, to to watch Brando and uh, in the film and and kind of recreate that when you're doing streetcar because obviously it's so legendary the the performance uh, it's got to be very tempting to do that well you know I will say this that I had done, I promised myself 
as a young actor, I knew I was going to play Stanley at some point. I knew it. I just felt it. And so I promised myself I wouldn't watch Brando's Streetcar until I'd actually done it. So I had, I, had, I had played Streetcar Named Desire in Halifax at the Neptune Theater up in Canada. It was shortly before I got the call from Paul Libin and my New York agent uh, to say, you better come to New York and, and, and meet Aiden and the, and the team because he might be taking over. So I, I finally watched Brando do Streetcar uh, before I did the, the Broadway performance. And, you know, listen, listen, I mean, he was iconic. It's an iconic Role. I mean, it, it it made him. It made Marlon and who he was in his early stage career. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't compare myself. But I will say this: that there was an, an, a gal. She was very old who came to my dressing room in Circle in the Square who had seen Marlon do it, and she knocked on my dressing room door. And when she came in, and she was all elegant. She was elegant and, and older, and she just said, "I've I've got to tell you, darling, that I, I saw Marlon, and and you were." You were spectacular as well, and I, you know when you when you hear that when you when you hear that from someone who was able in the late forties to actually see Marlon play Stanley, uh, and then see it again fifty years later with me or forty whatever it was. I mean, come on, that's pretty special, right? Really special. Absolutely amazing. I, let me jump back to something you mentioned. You were talking about the wolves, uh, something that uh, that uh, yeah, Brennan did yeah. That uh, Kim, uh, I'm sorry that uh, that Brennan was in is. Yeah. Is the wolves something that could be uh, transferred to uh, to film? You know, they talked about that, Frank. All, all I know is the wolves uh, has been has, has been shown everywhere, uh, everywhere across America, Canada. It's about nine girls on a soccer team. A mum comes in at the end. It's it's so emo- it rips your heart right out. Sarah Delep wrote it. It's an incredible play. It's been done everywhere now, but Brenna originated that part of number seven and the cast that they had. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it can be turned into a film, but man, oh man, the play, for those who, who have seen it, and I know that your listeners, some of the listeners, you couldn't get a ticket. I mean, you just couldn't get a ticket on, on Broadway. They were sold right out. Um, but Brenna's going to have that in her you know, playbook uh, for the rest of her life. She she originated number seven with with her other castmates, and I know it was a spectacular time for those young women. Yeah, and you know, I, I ask that because you do have the clout. You know, you have the clout to get uh, to get something like that made. I assume I just didn't see it, and I don't know if it's something that uh, that could transfer. But it's kind of interesting, and it did get rave. I've heard it, about it. it you know. It really is interesting. And just getting back to the theater for one second, I did go back to the stage four years ago, Frank, on a play called Jerusalem. Uh, Mark Ryland started in Jerusalem in 2011 and 12 in the West End and then Broadway and then back to the West End. And he passed me the baton. I, I redid it four years ago up in Toronto. We won every Tony, Canadian Tony you could win. Not that it's about that at all. But just very proud of that. We, we were seven for seven in awards, and uh, I got to go back to the stage, and it almost killed me, for Christ's sake. It's a really, really tough part, and uh, Brenna was in it with me. So to be on stage with Brenna uh, for those two months playing playing Johnny Rooster Byron in, in Jerusalem is something, again, I'll never forget. And people go, and I just went to London to see Mark redo it. He's rebooted it 10 years later and got to hang with him for a day. So I don't know, man. I'm old and I'm happy and I'm still I'm still I'm still digging for the art and everything I do and I'm just it's really nice to talk to you this morning. Kim, congratulations on uh, Neon Lights. We're going to be watching this weekend and we'll be talking about it as we let you go. Uh, a, a quick social media site. 
Yeah, just I'm I'm Kim F Coates, Kim F as in Frederick Coates on Twitter. That's all I do, Frank. I got no time for anything else. I can barely handle my Twitter with all my thousands, hundreds of thousands of crazy followers on there. So that's it, Kim F Coates. That's all I got. Congrats, Kim. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Frank. You take care. Stay out of the city for me. Kim Coates, everyone. Tremendous actor, and, and like I said, I, I've heard nothing but great things about the stage. Uh, Brenna Coates, too. Check her out in Neon Lights. Uh, she is a wonderful actress, uh, just up and coming and uh, big time. And, and, you know, she listen, uh, she's got a great example in Kim uh, on how to, uh, how to choose roles and how to uh, go about it. Um, you know Kim from Sons of Anarchy, but that, that minimizes... Uh, even though it's great, uh, it, the, his role is great and everything. Uh, and the, the show is uh, has become iconic, but you know, let's face it, um, he's done so much more. Frank McKay signing off. Kim Coates has been our very special guest. Uh, Neon Lights is the is the film. Check it out, and it's on demand. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with uh, marine ecologist Mike Heidhouse, and that's Dr. Michael Heidhouse, uh, and he is talking about uh, Shark Fest. We're in the midst of that now. It's a four-week event with Nat Geo and what a great job they do with that. A big reason why is uh, is the knowledge of this man, Dr. Heidhouse. Uh, uh, talking about a new documentary, you'll be able to see this week, uh, this uh, this weekend, I should say, uh, Jaws vs. Boats, and uh, it's premiering this Sunday. And it is a, a must-watch for uh, uh, shark lovers, animal lo- anybody. I, I mean, anybody that uh, enjoys excitement. Uh, this is it, but real, real life, uh, Quint. He doesn't look like him. He's not harsh like him. He's much sharper than than uh, than Quint. He's a much different guy. Doctor Heidhouse, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, I I'm sure. You know, uh, hard not to be in this summer. Yeah, right. You know, no doubt about it. I I am sure that. Uh, that most of our knowledge, you know, and when I say our knowledge, not your knowledge, but most of the, the lay people's knowledge started with yours and, and sometimes just ends with yours. But when we start watching you and start listening to what you're, uh, you're talking about, we get a whole different appreciation. Do you learn new things as you go along or is all of this just old hat and you're just kind of teaching us at this point? You know, one of the most amazing things about my job is I get to learn new things all the time. And, you know, it's cliche, but it's true. The more you learn, the more you realize there is so much more out there to discover. And, you know, I think for me, that's one of the things I love about doing Shark Fest with Nat Geo is we get to bring the latest science and amazing, uh, exciting research uh, to the screen and to the public. 
but hopefully we're inspiring you know, kids or just people everywhere to get out and explore because it's a big world out there and there's lots left to learn. And, uh, you know, at, with Shark Fest, we get four weeks and just talk sharks and the, the amazing things that they do. I grew up thinking that uh, the great white is, is the, you know, that's the biggie. And uh, has much changed since that? Is, is the great white the, the, the shark we think about when we think about terror? Well, you know, white sharks are definitely going to be at the top of the list or, or very close to it for, you know, ones that we have to really be careful of uh, in terms of interactions with people. But, you know, bull sharks are another one that uh, they, they don't get as big as great white, but they're another species that will eat big prey. And bull sharks are found in warm, turbid waters. And, you know, so that can make them a little bit, a little bit spooky. But... You know, both with great whites and with, with bull sharks and tigers and these ones that can be dangerous to people, you know, they're not these mindless killing machines biting everything they see. Um, and they're also not what we see in the movies, which is not just mindless killing machines, but, you know, ones with the intention to go get somebody. And, you know, that makes for, uh, you know, great, great movies. They scared the crud out of me as a little kid. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not what this really is. And I think that's what's great about, you know, some of the documentaries. People will see us in the water with these animals in a very safe way. But, you know, you'll see that they're, they're beautiful. They are not just fighting everything. Um, and their explanations for some of the interactions you see in these viral videos online, like sharks attacking boats. Most of the... the uh attacks that we hear about and and it's almost like every attack that happens we hear about right i mean uh, it's uh, it goes viral and people are, are always attracted to uh, sensationalism and so forth I, what what shark is is most likely to attack people uh, great whites uh, are big and and you know they probably they don't get that close to the uh, I, I assume they don't get that close to the shore uh, when we hear about shark attacks on surfers what are we usually hearing about what type of sharks well it depends where you are and you know in places like california or kind of the northeast u.s that is probably usually white sharks you know that those are uh, they're actually warm-blooded sharks they can be in these cooler waters um, and, you know, seals and sea lions may look a bit like surfers. And, uh, you know, that is prey of white sharks. So that's kind of where some of those accidents may happen and uh, the, the sharks attack people. Now, it is important to know that in some areas, like if you look at Cape Cod, these white sharks are coming in really close to shore to go after gray seals. And so those are areas where if you're going to go to the beach there, be careful to you know, pay attention to what's on the uh, – on the beach in terms of signs, what are the lifeguards saying or the local scientists, because they're trying to provide that information. If you come into the tropics, though, like Florida, um, that's where it's almost, is almost never going to be a white shark. It's more likely to be a tiger shark or a bull shark. Yeah, those are really the two that um, are big and dangerous. And then you may have black tips or other ones that make a mistake and, you know, maybe nip a, a foot or a hand that looks like a little fish. Um, and those can be you know, nasty injuries, but you know, not life threatening. We'll be watching for George Verge boats uh, this uh, this weekend. I certainly will be. Uh, can you give us a little overview of it? Yeah. So basically, um, I was asked, "What's up with all these viral videos online? Are there sharks attacking boats more often? Are there more sharks?" 
And so, uh, you know, we went out to kind of unpack what happened in some of these viral video situations to, you know, figure out, are you going to need a bigger boat out there um, <laughs> or, uh, or is everything okay? And so what we do is we do little experiments uh, to show why the sharks might have bitten the boat in each, in each situation. So we're in the water, uh, you know, with these uh, incredible animals and looking at how their sensory systems, like their sense of smell, their sense of sight, their ability to detect electrical fields uh, might get confused and lead to uh, bites on boats. So, you know, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to think it's too dangerous to go out on the water. Um, you know, and for mom and sitting there in Ohio thinking that the sharks are following my boat everywhere I go, they're not. Um, and you know, there's, there's a reason in each one of these videos why the shark bit the boat and it's not it wanted to bite a boat or to get at the people inside. Yeah, and, and the shark uh, doesn't have TikTok, so it doesn't. Uh, uh, right, it's not on the same schedule as everyone else trying to uh, trying to get it. Are it's people? Not, but we are trying to develop technology so they can have TikTok. Because imagine if we could get these video cameras on sharks all the time to see their insides, their lives, and you know, you will see some of that on Shark Fest this year. Yeah, terrific. I, I think Nacho does such a, a wonderful job with Shark Fest. And, and you're, listen, once again, you're a big uh, reason why uh, Dr. Mike Heithouse, if you just tuned in a little late, is our very special guest. we got another minute uh, with Dr. Heithouse. Uh, when you... When you look at people uh, trying to get these sensationalized uh, videos, are people acting more dangerously towards sharks uh, be, uh, because of that? Are you noticing that, or has this been going on all along and we're just realizing it because of the, the social media presence? You know, it, it's hard to say, but, um, I mean, it sure seems to me uh, that when you look at a lot of these videos, People are taking more risks than they should, not just with uh, with sharks, but in general to get that incredible video. And you know, I think you know it's important when you're dealing with the oceans, whether it's sharks, rip currents, or, or others. You know, just being on the rocks where they're weighed, you got to respect the ocean and the animals in it, or bad things can happen. Um, if if you're respectful and pay attention, you can enjoy it, and it's great. But uh, you know, the amazing video just is, isn't worth it. And with Shark Fest. The things you see that look really dangerous actually are done in ways where we know what's going on with the animals. We have all the safety protocols in place because, you know, we don't want to do anything that gets any, any person or any animal uh, hurt. You know, we're, we're trying to learn more about these animals and share it with the public, and that's why I love working with Geographic. It's, you know, the great scientists, uh, great animals, you know, the latest science, but super exciting. And, you know, r real life can be exciting, and, and that's what we're trying to bring there. Um, in the safest way possible. Dr. Heithouse, can you give us a social media site or a website where we can follow along with you? Well, um, I'm at Mike Heithouse on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Listen, keep up the great work. Congrats on all your your work that you've done so far, and we're looking forward to Jaws vs. Boats uh, this weekend. Thanks for being here. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great one. Dr. Mike Heidhouse has been our very special guest, marine ecologist, not to be mixed up with a marine biologist, marine ecologist. He's the dean at FIU, and he's a shark expert on air contributor in Jaws vs. Boats. Nat Geo's Shark Fest is upon us, and 
I said uh, in the intro that he's like a real life Clint. He's not. He's nothing like Clint. As you can see, he's an intellectual. He's, uh, you know, he's he's a scholar on uh, marine uh, life. Uh, Quentin was, uh, you know, when I talk about Quentin, for those who don't know, that's uh, in Jaws. He's the old surly guy. I think Robert Shore played him, and and he was, uh, you know, he was going to get that shark no matter what. And, and I won't spoil in case you didn't see Jaws what happened to him, but. Uh, Richard Dreyfus was the was uh, was closer to Mike Heithouse. Uh He played the uh, the the young marine biologist, and Roy Scheider played uh, the sheriff in Amity, Amity uh, Harbor, Amity Beach, whatever it was, and uh, you know to deal with joys. It still stands up. I've seen it recently, and, and it is great. But that is where that is where we Spielberg is where we got our fear of sharks. Uh, I think, I mean, you know, until until he came up, uh, came out with Jaws, uh, it was much different. Mike Heithouse has been our very special guest. Dr. Mike Mike Heithouse uh, is a marine ecologist, and you can check him out on Shark Fest. Um, that's Nat Geo's version of Shark Week, and it goes on for four weeks, four-week event. And uh, the latest, the latest is Jaws vs. Boats. Check it out, and you can see it's streaming. Frank McKay. Signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a wonderful actor. And he is in a, a film that we plan on, my wife and I plan on seeing this weekend, where the Crawdads sing. He's been in so many different things. But many years as a broadcaster uh, is, uh, is where he spent his, his time, his career. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have a longer period of time with uh, Bill Kelly. But, uh, but right now, right now he's in the middle of, you know, 100 interviews here. Thrilled to have him. And we're talking about where the crawdads sing. Bill Kelly, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you? Well, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, have you have you been involved in something that's this anticipated? Um, I, it, you know, to me, I mean, everyone's talking about it. It's the uh, the water cooler thing, if you want to call it that. But everyone's talking about this film, and it's uh, highly anticipated. Yeah, I think uh, you know the book is is phenomenal. It sold over 12 million copies, and. Um, and this adaptation is spot on. I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, it, it's a whirlwind for me. I mean, I'm just blown away. Yeah, very much anticipated film. A lot of people are going to go see it. It opens this weekend. Now, you you play the sheriff. Uh, <clears throat> as you're reading the book, and uh, and and uh, you know, I read somewhere that you did you know, you were did read the book. You know, as you were getting the call on this, is this the role that you would have you would have said that I'm perfect for, or were there other roles that you uh, thought you would be right for? No, you know, it's I do play a lot of authority figures, a lot of 
police, DEA, FBI. Uh, so, yeah, when I was reading the book, I was reading the book, I was about halfway through when I got the audition and almost to the third chapter when I got the call that I'd gotten the part. So, yeah, I mean, Sheriff Jackson was right at my alley. I was really hoping to get an audition. I was like reading the book before I got the audition. This is a great part. I'd love to play somebody like that. And lo and behold, they called me and said, hey, how would you like to play Sheriff Jackson? So, yeah, it was it was awesome part. And, and just feeling the timeline of when uh, this all developed. And, and again, I mean, here we are now. Uh, we're outside of COVID. I, I, I would think that they, they would have had to do some of the uh, auditions or at least uh, the, the initial auditions during COVID. Uh, did, you, did you audition uh, uh, traditionally or uh, what, was, uh, what was your process? Well, most of the auditions now are... Uh, at least the initial audition is done on tape. You know, you tape it, you record it, and then you send your digital um, audition to the casting director. Uh, and, and yeah, COVID played a – it was right in the middle of COVID, so, yeah, it, it's hard to do. There were no in-person auditions for anything. So uh, each one that I've done has been on tape. But the uh, it, being on set was odd because we, even though it's COVID, we're we're still shooting this thing under all these COVID restrictions. So I, uh, Libby Newman, the director, saw her Monday night at the world premiere, and I said I wasn't sure it was you because the only time I'd seen her, she had a mask on, <laughs> and then pretty much everyone. Yeah, I, it's I, I imagine there are different challenges. Uh, to to being an actor in person and and uh, and acting um, for an audition or or uh, at least auditioning for a part uh, via uh, via tape. Uh, what do you prefer, or does it uh, does it matter um, what role you're doing, uh, which uh, you know which you would choose? But if if you had to choose, would you audition in person or uh, would you do it the, this way, the COVID way? Well, I love the in-person audition because you get feedback from, you know, a lot of times you go do a in-person audition, the director's there, the one of the producers, maybe the screenwriter. So you get feedback on characters more when you're doing a live audition, not to mention the fact that a lot of people are great actors that are not great at auditioning because they um, they don't audition as much as you, you're doing that as much as you are working on a film or something like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I prefer in, in person auditions. You know, you've done you've done a lot of great work, but you've really built a, a career fairly quickly. And uh, and that sounds funny talking to somebody who's been around as long as you have. And I, I know you did a lot of uh, you, you know, you did a lot of work um uh, at your university, right, and and uh, different, uh, you know, uh, jobs along the way and, and some Florida jobs. But uh, you really built a big-time career, and, and really in the last decade or more. I mean, that's, uh, that's a highly unusual thing to do for so many people. Uh, would you ever have imagined this, say, 30 years ago, us talking to you about uh, a film uh, of this magnitude and you having such a pivotal role in it? You know, I, I would have never imagined it, but I certainly was going to go after it. You know, it, it 30 years ago, I was just a, you know, a normal radio DJ guy trying to make a living, trying to scratch out a living on things. And, and uh, yeah, 30 years ago, it wasn't in my sights, but I knew what I wanted to do. And fortunately, the film school at Florida State uh, was in my backyard. So I once I found out they had open auditions for, you know, the average Joe to come in and, and do some work with students, I jumped at the chance. So yeah, it's, it's been a, 
it's been a tough row to hoe, but it's been a great one. Wow. <laughs> I just can't believe it. Like I said, I wish I, uh, I I wish I had a longer period of time with you. Maybe we could set up something. Uh, re- I mean, really look at your career. It's it's been a couple of careers. It's been uh, two different careers. Uh, we don't have the time to do that now. But uh, where the crawdads sing, uh, if you can uh, give us a quick before you go, give us a, a quick overview. I know the story, but assume that that uh, the twelve million uh, books sold. Uh, some of the folks listening that aren't, and if you can give us without spoiling, uh, just the uh, quick overview. Um, the film is um, incredible. It's a story of Kaya, who is an abandoned little girl who has to raise herself to adulthood in the marshlands of North Carolina. She is um, she has to learn to you know live off the marsh. Uh, she knows the harshness of the marsh, and she also knows how to use the marsh to her best advantage. And uh, it tells the trials and tribulations of her growing up and. Later in the story, it becomes a murder mystery. Yeah. Uh, listen, like I said, my wife and I are, are looking forward to, uh, to it this uh, this weekend, and we're looking forward to, to you. I could watch anything you're in, Bill. I think you're terrific. Thank you. You're, you're honest, and, and you just come across, and no matter what you're playing, uh, you just come across as real as you could possibly do. Congrats on building a uh, just a, a wonderful acting career here. Uh, if you can, uh, give us anything else you want to touch upon before you leave us, and and give us a social media site or a website, whatever, where we can follow along with what you're doing. Well, I, I think the most imp- one of the most important things about the film is not on the film, but it was created and and film is made by an incredible powerhouse team of creative women. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and Lauren from uh, Hello Sunshine, our screenwriter Lucy Alabar, of course, our director Libby Newman, uh, and and this film was put together by some very uh, creative women who um, spearheaded the whole thing, and I think they made a masterpiece. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I can't wait to see it myself. Uh, any social media site or website? Social media. Uh, yeah, look me up on Instagram, uh, Bill Kelly Actor on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You can hit me up at uh, on IMDb. And also my website is BillKelly.net. So pay me a visit. Well, we're looking forward to the film. Uh, Bill, thanks very much for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, if you want to uh, meet up again and do another interview later down the road uh, with more time, let me know. would love to have you. Bill Kelly, thanks again. And to every, everyone out there, everyone out there, uh, where the crudads sing, a highly anticipated film, uh, check it out. We will be checking it out. And we're interviewing uh, different stars from this, uh, from from this film. They're you know they're uh, highly sought after at this point. The the actors in this, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Hopefully we'll we'll have Reese uh, to talk about it. But he's right. It's it's all women. Uh, the the power team behind this film is uh, is women. And you know when you hear the premise of it, you could you could understand why. And, you know, it sounds like they've done a great job. It's hard to give them uh, to, to say anything until I, I actually see the film. But I'm, you know, certainly looking forward to it. Uh, Bill Kelly's terrific actor. And, you know, again, he was at Clear Channel. If I have my, my facts right here, he was at Clear Channel as a, um, he started out as a DJ and, and he got into administration and, um, 
you, know, you got into country music, you got into you know all types of things. Started out in Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Richmond, Kentucky, I think it is, but Eastern Kentucky University was his uh, alma mater originally before moving down to, uh, to Florida. And you know it was all about radio with him. And then somewhere around 2011, he got into, and I'm trying to think of what, I'm looking here real quick to see what his first role was. But he's been in things like the uh, the reimagining of of the Wonder Years, uh, True Detective, Bloodline, MacGyver, and you know that's uh, obviously not the original, uh, but uh, uh, Queen Sugar, Hillbilly Elegy. He got uh, tremendous attention off of that, and you know he's you know he's a character actor and he's got he's got the Southern background, and he's playing a Southern sheriff here who hunts her, you know, hunts uh, this, uh, this uh, you know, situation down. And again, I won't spoil if, if for those who didn't read the book or don't know the book, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how they approached it film-wise. Bill Kelly has been our very special guest, and he, he plays Sheriff Jackson in Where the Crawdads Sing, and looking forward to seeing it. My wife and I are looking forward to seeing it this weekend, as I said. Uh, but Bill Kelly's been in over 50 TV and film projects, uh, probably not including his, his work at the University of uh, Flo uh, Florida. What was it, Miami, Florida? Uh, no, uh, Florida State, I think he said. But uh, really has put together an amazing career. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.